0: Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. I'm Chuck. And uh, I had the honor of uh, getting our guest this week, Chuck. You, uh, you got a little breather because I uh, called a good buddy of mine and of Matt's. So for those of you who listen to both War Stories and uh, our sister podcast, The Locker Room, uh, you'll know Matt. And uh, some of you who who don't will know Matt from this show. Matt uh, is a close, close friend of mine who's a Navy veteran and has been on here a couple of times to talk about his experiences in the Navy. But uh, what you may not know is Matt and I worked together for about, about eight years when I retired and moved back to Southern California. And we worked together in the movie and TV business, where we both met the gentleman who is with us today, uh, U.S. Navy veteran Dana. How are you, sir?
1: I'm well. I'm I'm retired, so I'm actually really well.
0: Right. I know. So uh, that's uh, one of the things I was going to ask you about. How is retirement? You have retired. How many years? Uh, so you got out of the. We'll get into it. But how many years in the movie and TV business?
1: Uh. Forty, forty-four. I think uh, I started in seventy, seventy-seven. Right when I got out of the Navy, and uh, I got a job at ABC <clears throat> Television um, as a page, and so I went from, you know, living on board a ship to. Um, working at ABC Television as a page on Welcome Back, Cotter, and Laverne and Shirley, and Mork and Mindy, and Happy Days, and the News, and the Academy Awards, and General Hospital. And it, it was just, it was kind of a huge change from the the man world that I was living in. You know, uh, in the yeah.
0: <laughs> Right. So you went from uh, a bunch of uh, Navy guys stuck on a ship together to hollywood which i'm sure it's a huge (laughs) culture shock especially so let's let's start here how did you (laughs) you end up getting into the navy yeah i'll bet how did you uh, tell us Um, your story about how you ended up in the navy
1: well uh i graduated in 74 and my brother and i went out and got drunk celebrating and i came home and my dad and my grandmother were there Kind of waiting for us, and what are you gonna do with your life? And and I said, uh, uh, I'll join the navy. So they go, yeah, right. And so the next day, I went to the recruiter, and I joined. I took all the tests. I called my cousin up, who was going into he. I'm from Pasadena. He lives in monrovia and He was my best friend all growing up. And uh, and so I called him up and said, Hey, I joined the navy. You want to join with me? And he goes, Sure. So he joined and and uh he took the test. We both uh did really well on the test. I could have done anything. Um, but I wanted to be a, a underwater welder and go to the second class diver school and whatnot. And um and so we both went to um A school, went to boot camp together, went to A school together, San Francisco Treasure Island for firefighting and damage control. And then um San Diego RTC NTC um, for uh, uh, yeah, what we do there
0: welding and, oh, for went to base. Where did you go to basic, basic down in, uh San Diego. San Diego. Okay, so yeah, uh, San Diego yeah. and uh, uh, the only one that's open now is Great Lakes. Right? Is that is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. San Diego down right before Matt went in. Actually, he was hoping to go to San Diego. He ended up going to Great Lakes. It for a while.
1: Well, it, it, yeah, it was interesting because the barracks. we and we're in two different barracks. One is across what's called Worm Island, where you're there for your first six or eight weeks. I don't remember, and then you cross the bridge, and then um, you get these these pre World War Two barracks, and there's a long table in the center of the barracks, and you look underneath, and people have written their names. You know, and mm-hmm. what year they were there, and you're getting it from not, like 1941, 1943. Oh, that's
0: awesome. You know, my Legend. dad,
2: my
1: dad Le- could have been in the barracks, you know, in the Second World yeah. War.
2: Legend has it the Marine Corps still uses them. Really? Yeah.
0: I want to know <laughs> they where they that use table everything is. Old. Yeah. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I would, I would hope they wouldn't, they would have seen it and not gotten rid of it, and that that table still exists somewhere. You know, well, hanging, you know, well, I'm on a wall.
1: Yeah, I've been uh, They're in all the different barracks and and um, uh, I've been down there a few years ago. And all those all those buildings are still there. Um, yeah, they don't they won't destroy anything. But, no, but and there's like coffee shops in them and, you know, <sighs>
2: retrofit. Um, you know, it's cool. You know, that movie uh, Full Metal Jacket
1: yeah you yeah. know that
2: when they're in the uh the barracks the marines are in the barracks and uh arlie Ermy comes in he's yelling at him he's he's singing they're all lined up and it's got that the best part of the movie yeah yeah it's got the red floor in there that same yeah. barracks i stayed in in um paris island
0: the exact <laughs> oh, same okay.
2: one and it was disgusting it's old it's nasty they don't destroy it. They keep everything. They still use everything. They only get, the, even when you have black mold, asbestos, everything. They're like, here, here's a uh, dehumidifier for the black mold.
0: Yeah. Marine
2: Corps sample approval, military <laughs> grade. There you go.
0: It's, it's funny. My <laughs> buddy was Shit. in the Marine Corps and he said that um this was in the, probably the 90s that he was in the Marine Corps, uh, late 80s, early 90s. And he said that uh, they were still flying in Huey's with bullet holes from Vietnam.
1: Oh, sure. Oh, yeah.
0: My you know, was I from mean, Vietnam. we, yeah,
1: <laughs> we, we trained on the grinder with 1903 Springfields.
0: Oh, shit. You know? Yeah.
1: Nine count manual. Ooh, I have one count manual. Yeah. I'm looking for one,
0: actually. it. Back uh, in the day, but now you're like, I wish I had one. <laughs>
1: oh yeah but and these were i mean these were old ass weapons they
0: really were and yeah 1903 uh, (laughs) yeah pretty much you know but
1: we had to keep them all all clean and all that and you didn't dare drop your piece because then you had to lie down on the on the grinder at at attention with with it uh and stare up at the airplanes over at uh Lindbergh feeling fly, Lindbergh field flying over, wishing you were on one. <laughs>
0: uh.
1: yeah, here's a funny, here's a funny thing. We'd, we'd march, um, right next to the fence to MCRD and they would march right next to the fence and they would sing GI meat and GI gravy. GI wish to join the Navy. And we would sing Navy meat and Navy beans. Gee, I wish I'd join Marines. Bullshit!
0: <laughs> They'd
1: laugh, we'd laugh, and we're marching our asses.
0: You're both getting your asses kicked and singing it's to each probably other.
2: probably one of the cleanest Navy cadences that the Marines would sing towards the Navy. And the nicest. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I'm yeah, sure there were uh, other ones.
2: <laughs> every time we ran past our medical facility when I was in the fleet, <clears throat> we would uh, mess with all the docks and stuff and uh sing mm-hmm. some pretty vulgar shit. Yeah. Yeah. Just to just to poke fun and we'd be running with our doc. So. Now,
0: now yeah. uh, <laughs> let me ask you guys this. This is a this is something I don't think we've ever really gotten into. Now, I we can make we've made jokes before about everybody knows, you know, there's there's the navy and then the navy likes to make uh, you know, make observations about the Marine Corps being the department of the navy and then the Marine Corps likes to say they're the men's department. Yeah, we, we know all of it. Yeah. but yeah, I'm going to ask you this because we've got a Marine vet and a Navy vet, and I've seen over the years there's a a close, a closer bond it seems between Navy vets and Marine vets, maybe. Oh yeah, and, then say Army and other guys. So when it comes to yeah, that the hierarchy, when it comes the to- Army, <laughs> You're right? This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Fucking, they're assholes. So if if. Do you feel like mind. if there's a if there's an argument or a fight brewing, Chuck, are you more inclined to take the Navy guy's side over anybody anybody else, any other branch of the service?
2: Is is that like a hypothetical where there's a yeah, no yeah. Army vet going against
0: a Navy vet? Yeah, hypothetically, in an argument, or if you're if you're bullshitting, or somebody starts oh, to 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 crack loaded. jokes against the Navy guy. Are you more likely? Do you feel like a closer bond with Navy vets than you would say with army or air force vets?
2: Um, so it, it depends on, I guess uh, who, who it would be. If it was John, it'd be a lot different because John, No, I'm
0: not talking about, I'm not talking about like just, guys that you I have like know a him, tight bond. Yeah.
2: If I didn't know either one from Adam and is some Navy dude, honestly, it's going to, it's probably going to go to who's in the wrong because I've seen Marines that do some dumb shit. And if he's in my unit, all right, we're squabbling and I'm on his side, but, and in the Navy guy, if he's, you know, in my unit or if he's my doc, yeah, I'm going to take him back no matter what and I'm going to protect him and get him the fuck out of there. However, um, I do have a closer bond with Navy Navy cats just because that we, we kind of both live. You're in, like cousins. Yeah. Like, like the close distant, you know, cousins, maybe some, you know, brother, sister stuff going on in there. Yeah. Right. Um, But and, and when i have we have a closer bond with the navy so yeah it, it wouldn't be far-fetched to be like no i'm gonna stand up for the navy dude um because i've been on both i've lived with both navy guys and army guys um we were at uh 40p hill and all the army guys were assholes to us they would sing they would throw shit at us while we were you know marching and stuff or, they, or we were doing maneuvers and they would talk shit and we were like all right dismount your your uh your seven ton or whatever whatever they were driving which was weird european looking you know really short front end and i was like we're like get out dismount we'll beat the shit out of you right here right now on your own base and uh they just talked shit to us the whole time but we never had that with the navy so yeah i would say it, it wouldn't be far-fetched to be like no i'm going to stand up for the navy because just the army would just treat us like shit every time we came in contact with them and that wasn't it, that wasn't for the navy. Not to mention all the docs, all the doctors. And I say docs, I'm not meaning doctors. I mean, yeah, yeah, you like mean the medics, the corpsmen and shit like yeah. that. The, the ones who run the BASs, that who are out there patching you up, who are out there giving you medicine in the field, who are taking care of you better than your your parents would have. Because these dudes care and they give a shit. Um, they care. The, they care. Yeah. And then the Navy docs, the, the doctors at the hospitals, they take care of you, too. So, yeah, we have a close bond with the Navy because we work with the Navy so often. And when we're on their ships, we have a really tight bond. But we, we also butt heads big time on ships oh, fighting. Course. The shit like that, where but that's the thing. You put your brother and sister,
0: you put a brother and sister in a car together, exactly on a road trip, and they're gonna pick at each other incessantly and drive mom and dad crazy. But you get them to a campground, and some other kid starts to pick on their brother or sister, and they're like, "Oh no, 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 no! You don't pick on my brothers. I pick on my Dana. Do Uh, you you have that same? Do you have that same vibe with Marine vets over other veterans? Say, oh yeah, yeah. It's funny
1: because. Whenever I see a, a guy wearing a Marine Corps hat, I always say Semper Fi to him and say, we gave you a ride. And, you know, you stop and you have a, a five-minute conversation at the grocery store or whatever. You know, I, we have that common bond. I'll tell you something funny. Um, my dad drove a uh, landing craft, Higgins boat, LCBP, at the invasion of Saipan, the invasion of Guam, Lady Gulf, Langan Gulf. And he he took the... 77th New York Army into Guam And I mean he's a coxswain he's driving the boat He's got the ramp down And and the 77th New York At Guam which was kind of an easy Invasion they refused to get out of his Boat so he's got 230 Cals on the on His um, landing craft And he says you got three seconds to Get out of the boat because I'll kill you here Myself you know um, cause he's got to take wounded back. Right. So they, uh, they freaked out and they all ran and, and was in the invasion. He did the, I think it was a second Marine division at Saipan, which was a much bloodier invasion. Yes,
0: yeah, First Saipan wave. No, joke.
1: <laughs> no, it was. And, uh, the Marines couldn't wait to get out and go kill. They could right. not mm-hmm. wait. And so my dad and, you know, he, uh, he loved the Marines. He did, and I do too. You know, I mean, we're all we're all brothers in arms. So, you know, what's
2: crazy? That boat, your your, it was, you said it was your father, right? Yeah. Um, that he drove, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, ended up morphing into the amphibious assault vehicle, which would carry troops from ship to shore for ship to shore breaching. Yeah, or it was yeah. closely related to it. And that was my uh, MOS when I was in. Ah, uh, no Corps. kidding. Yeah, we were I was an amphibious assault vehicle crew chief and uh we had the uh, line charge clearing kit on our vehicle which we would use to blow up minefields and things like that were supposedly we'd use them. But funny history note is that that job and the job that your father had had the highest death toll in all of the military yeah. at that time for for um for war because it was so many ship to shore breachings and I rewrote the standard operating procedure back in 2008 for 2000, no 2009 uh, in Camp Lejeune for uh, an updated field effects with, you know, base commanders, generals and shit like that um, to show them ship to shore breaching capabilities and things like that. And how they've kind of evolved over the years with new technology, which wasn't so new because Hmm. it was all from Vietnam with updated equipment and some, you know, 50 cal's and 40 millimeters uh, machine gun, uh, you know, grenade launchers and shit. But What stayed true is that if you're coming through a minefield and you blow your load over the top of a vehicle in front of you because they went down in the water and you blow up that minefield, you are to push them out of the way. If a vehicle goes down in front of you, you are to push them out of the way. It doesn't matter what happens to them because you have to get out of that kill zone in that kill box. Exactly. You go so slow. So it's crazy that that job was probably the most dangerous job at that time or for yeah. any ship to shore breaching because of how slow you move in the water.
0: Yeah. Well, and if they could yeah, take why? in World War II, if you could take out the driver, you could ostensibly prevent an entire group of Marines from landing. You could take That's out. That's why you push it out of the way. Right. Well, exactly.
1: um, yes and no, because, well, certainly in World War II, every single um, guy on that crew, you had, you had, uh, two machine gunners you had um a cox and you had um a couple crew so there's like four four or five crew guys on it that can just immediately take like, they their comp- all completely trained with each individual job so anybody right. could you know, take o- take over the Maybe job also-
2: they also had this thing that uh we had to stop using because it was sinking our vehicles it's called a hand throttle so you have a foot throttle and you have a hand throttle you push the hand throttle forward and you take your hand off of it and you just steer because it's a constant go um except right they, they like so even if you would if you're right if you would have taken uh, the driver out it's still going forward if they're using the hand throttle it's still going forward however yeah. nowadays they have stopped that because they would get stuck and accelerate and accelerate uh-huh. And accelerate and you just torpedo straight to the bottom of the ocean.
0: Mm. But yeah, yeah, at that
2: time you would just hand throttle it straight forward like a boat. But like a
0: for those of you that don't know, I mean, these are the like if you've seen the Pacific, if you've seen Saving Private Ryan, if you've seen anything with an amphibious landing, you know, these are truck boats with a ramp that, you know, they 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 sail until they drive, and then once they drive. <laughs> they drop their ramp and out you get. And this is, these are the days when um, I'll give you, I, I think I've mentioned this in the past, but uh, a close friend of ours uh, that I had growing up with me and me and Matt and Marco, uh, his grandfather was in the Navy. And this was the era of, this was World War II. And this was the era of like what you were talking about, Dana. You're, you're talking about your grandfather told, you know, all the Marines in his boat, you get get the fuck out. Or I'm going to shoot you. My <laughs> dad. Or your dad your dad so yeah yeah and uh his grandfather was on a ship and there was a a boat a small boat rowing towards their ship or motoring towards their mm-hmm. ship and uh the captain ordered the deck gunner to blow the boat out of the water and it yeah. had it had women and children in it as well as you know it had all kinds of people including women and children and he says blow the boat out of the water and the guys like no let's i'm not i'm not going to blow that boat out of the water it's got women and children and he goes, blow the boat out of the water right fucking now, or I'm going to I'm gonna kill you. And so he refused again, and the captain pulled out uh, his gun and shot him right there on the deck of the ship, pointed at the guy next to him and said, blow that boat out of the water right now. And that guy was like, okay, he gets the deck gun, blows the boat out of the water. And the boat was filled with explosives, and it was, you know, obviously, yeah. they were willing to my sacrifice my children dad. to blow up a Navy ship but they that was the era right. of if you don't do what i say right now in war i will kill you well
1: my dad at the invasion because he has a mothership which was uss warhawk which is a troop transport and that's where all these landing crafts are on they would do do the landing the invasion and then they you know they're off out a little bit um offshore well they had a um suicide there was not just suicide planes, kamikazes, but there was kamikaze boats that had right. torpedoes stuck in the nose. They got hit. My dad just got off off um, watch, and instead of getting going to the mess and having a cup of coffee, he went down and hit his rack. Well, that that suicide boat hit right at the mess killed everybody in the mess decks, and and. Um, you know they had to seal it up and and go diving for body parts um a week and a half later you You're know right. yeah, so i mean
0: that's the thing when it's wartime, hell on especially, wheels especially old school war like world war 2 you know where they it's it's not computerized and digital and all that kind of stuff there it's still you know Asses and elbows, uh, uh, you know. And granted, there's a lot of warfare now that's still boots on the ground, asses and elbows. But yeah, there's there's we have the capabilities to do things a little bit more removed. We didn't have those capabilities back then. So yeah, well, so Chuck said Oh, go ahead.
1: Wait, Chuck said something that was what's funny is yeah, you know, if the boat got hit in front of you, you push it out of the way and go. Well, in boot camp, they, we had this um, boat that it was called USS Never Sail. It's in concrete on on the base at boot camp, and they give you a tour around, and they said, "Okay, you got a hole in the side of the ship. What do you do?" And we're going, "I don't know. You know, we're in boot camp. We don't know what to do." They right. said, "And your brothers, your brothers are dead. What do you do?" And they said, "Well, I don't know. Was we'll stick his dead ass body in that hole so the ship doesn't go down, so you don't die?" You know? Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's it's kind of cavalier,
0: but okay. Well, I mean. And- it's it's life and death for everybody else. You got to do what you got to do. It is, do. and I'll tell you, Chuck. It's interesting that you you mentioned that, and I, I just I thought of this. I didn't say anything, but um, I was watching a TV show where there was you know cops and feds that were making an entry into a room where they suspected a gunman was, and the room was dark and the hallway was lit, and the way it was portrayed was the federal agents, you know opened the door and then stopped in the doorway to scan the room with their flashlights. And then there's these cops stacked up behind them, waiting for them to get out of the doorway. And I laughed and my wife goes, what? And I says, that was me behind them behind those federal agents. I would have bowled them over. I'd have literally trampled them to get them out of that fatal funnel. And it's the same. It's the same principle that that combat principle is still the same, which is you. If it's the deadly fatal funnel, you will trample the person in front of you to get out of it and get to safety and get that room secured. Same thing. You got to, you got to push that boat out of the way. You got to get out of that fatal funnel. You've got to get your guys to where they can secure that beach. Those principles just apply, whether it's World War II, whether it's the time you were, you know, your time in the Marine Corps, whether it's police officers on the street today, you have to, you have to adhere to those basic combat principles, no matter what.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: So, Dano, tell us about uh, your time in the Navy. What are so? Obviously, this is the late seventies, uh, mid to late. But actually, 70s. no,
1: it was it was mid seventies. I joined right. in seventy four,
0: and Vietnam and was still going on, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It,
0: it, it did. Vietnam didn't officially end until 70, the seventy 70- June,
1: June or May or June or seven of seventy oh, seventy five. Yeah,
0: right. So. Um,
1: we all thought we were going over. You know, I mean, that was. <laughs> I'm an American. I, I, You know, uh, I've had somebody in my family in virtually every war except Korea since the revolution. So, you know, it's part of our family, part of our thing. Um, so, yeah, I joined with my cousin and went to a school and, and then um, he he went on to the Barber County um uh, LST 1195, and I went on the uh, admiral staff waiting for my com crew, desk crew one, waiting for my ship to come out of the yards because um, that was USS Fox, um, which was a DLG guided missile frigate. But then they changed because of the Russians and how many cruisers they had and blah blah blah, they changed her designation to cruiser, so she was. Now CG thirty three USS Fox, and so I came aboard her. I was on the admiral's staff, just doing nothing, Um living in a so barracks. So you're literally just
0: on. waiting for your ship to be waiting busy. for my ship to come in, <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> right, and so and so she finally came in, and uh, a month and a half after I went aboard, um we went on Westpac, and. My ship was one of the very first ships that went on Westpac to do an Indian Ocean cruise. Can I explain? We,
0: go ahead, Chuck.
2: Real quick, a yeah. Westpac, that's a.
0: a, a oh, I was going to have Pacific Dana yeah, explain it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they oh. get all the Pacific coast stuff. They, they can go to Australia, they can go to Hawaii, and stuff like that. All the Pacific coast up to Okinawa, um, they will go um, on a Westpac. Just just so for people who yeah. are listening, the listeners. Like, what the heck's a Westpac? Yeah. It's just a Western West- it's, it's a, the Pacific Ocean but- uh cruise, basically right. that the Marine Corps yeah. uses for a marine expeditionary. Unit, it's your patrol unit area. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um so so we went uh Hawaii Subic in Subic for Christmas of seventy five. Um Then we weren't allowed to go to Singapore yet because you're supposed to be a a shellback before you go to Singapore. Anyway, so we went around the Malaysian Peninsula and then we went to we were supposed to go to um, Sri Lanka, but there was a civil war going on, blah, blah, blah.
0: And so we I didn't know that you weren't you weren't supposed to go to Singapore until you became a shellback.
1: No, no, no. The Navy's the Navy's not supposed to go to Singapore
0: unless the ship has
1: crossed the equator
0: wow it's just kind of what a shellback is for those not for those yeah we've covered that but you can you can explain it again
1: yeah well uh the domain of the golden dragon is when you cross the international date line which we did and then a shellback is when you cross the equator and you have a huge huge ceremony and uh you know you crawl from the foc'sle to the fantail on your hands and knees and Mm -hmm. the shellbacks you're a polywog and then the shellbacks you know, fire hoses, which are called shillelaghs, that they, <laughs> they smack in the ass. And, you know, you have to eat off, n- not using your hands off your tray with Tabasco and all that. Luckily, I like Tabasco. But um, big ceremony, huge two-day
0: ceremony. Right, King so, Neptune is there.
1: And, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the royal baby is sucked up. The cherry out of the royal baby's belly, greased belly button. And, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's uh,
0: good times. It's good. Time. <laughs> so I didn't know that. That's it's interesting. You can't. You shouldn't. You're not supposed to. Navy doesn't take you to Singapore unless you're a shellback. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, that's what they told us anyway. Uh-huh. Um. So then we went to Karachi, and that was an armpit. Um. Because we were that we're in the Indian Ocean at this point. Um. We went from Karachi to the Gulf of Aden. Um, which here's an anchorage of Russian ships and they're, they basically didn't move, but when, cause we had Russian trawlers that were following us, we had two, um, little destroyer escorts with us. Um and they were following our every move and so we said well the hell with you and so we did figure eights around these uh these russians that were at the gulf of aden they stupidly we went to general quarters stupidly they they um trained their their guns on us which they shouldn't have done And so that immediately sent us to General Quarters. I'm the number one fire uh, nozzle man in number two fire room. So I've got a nozzle in my hand, my shirt's buttoned up, and my pants are tucked into my boots and all that. But so, so, you know, the the Russians did this with their guns on us. And we could Mm -hmm. see these guys. You know, they're very close. So we put missiles um, we didn't launch missiles, but we put them on our missile, rack, missile racks and we pointed them at the Russians. We would have taken them out, big time taking them
0: out. Right. Missiles against but then guns the, It's not really a contest.
1: No, it's not a contest. And, <laughs> and the Russians kind of capitulated. And we, um, my captain said, go go, take your skivvy shirts. So if you're not actually doing anything at General Quarters, take your skivvy shirts off and go wave at the fucking Russians. And so, and these are Soviets. I mean, these aren't, yeah, they're Russians. But, so we went up, we took our skivvy shirts off, and we waved at the Russians. They took, the, the Russian sailors took their black, blue and white skivvy shirts off, and they waved at us. It was sailors saying, hey, we don't want to die today. We're just, we're all sailors here. So mm-hmm. just let's let us go our way without us killing you, you know. And it was a big international incident, but nobody ever heard it. Nobody ever knew about it,
0: you know. And then you um, you don't want to you don't want to publicize that stuff. Mm
1: -mm. No, they didn't want to publicize it, you know. And then we went on our way, and we went to Seychelles and crossed the equator and did that, and then to Reunion, then to Diego Garcia, which there was no women on Diego Garcia. Um. They put us on a landing craft. Took us. We had a big ship's party with a bunch of beer, and got in a big old fight, and then hamburgers, and then went back to the ship, and then went back. Then we went to Singapore.
2: We got a fight, and then we had some we
0: hamburgers. had a chi- yeah right beers, then fight, <laughs> then <laughs> food, hamburgers. yeah hamburgers. <laughs> well, here's the thing: with no but with no women, all that tension has to go somewhere. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but see, but if you're stationed on Diego Garcia, you were stationed there for 11 months, then the Navy would send you anywhere in the world for a month you wanted to go because there's no women. Now, they have coconut crabs on Diego Garcia that'll bite your foot off. They also have the great white shark spawning ground so you can't go swimming.
0: Okay. Yeah, those coconut crabs, I see pictures of those things. They're enormous.
1: Yeah, and their bite is like it can bite your foot off. Fuck so you open? don't
2: so you it's don't it's,
0: it, it, it's it's yeah I've seen them and you can see them like attached to the sides of buildings or the sides <laughs> of trash cans and it looks like some alien creature <laughs> had made babies with a king crab or something. they're Ooh. enormous they they almost That's look like crab. the world's most armored spider with pinchers it's it, it they're these these things yeah, are exactly crazy crazy big. Well, if they can bite through a coconut, hence the name, right? Right. And they use that giant pincer and they just snap it in half. And if you could do that to a (laughs) coconut shell, you could do that to somebody's ankle bone. No problem.
2: Oh, yeah. It looks like a tarantula.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't it? It looks like a giant armored spider with a pincer. Blue and red tarantula. Yeah, Yeah. they're crazy. It's coconut. So how do you see them? Do they just are they fast? Do you just see them kind of hanging out and you're like, okay, just avoid it or? Like we seeing, didn't snuck up on by a coconut crab they're <laughs> no, not like ninjas or zombies leaping
1: on the beach drunk <laughs> you know right <laughs> wake up with
0: no <laughs> <laughs> wake up with no leg or no arm
1: <laughs> yeah exactly um but yeah then we went you know i mean we went to singapore for a change of command uh had the ship painted and and then um, back to Subic. We were in Subic on, on and off a lot. We we went through two typhoons. Um,
0: What's that like?
1: Well, I mean, we loved it. You know, well, once we were at sea, uh, we were at sea for one typhoon. We were in Subic, um, inboard a little destroyer escort, and we had we knew that the typhoon was coming. We're all we're all drinking um, in town at tipsy's hideaway and uh we had cinderella liberty because we knew the typhoon was coming
0: what's cinderella um, liberty like you can you you into a pumpkin in any minute and they call you back to this yeah
1: you have to be back yeah. on the ship by midnight um uh-huh. and so we got back we're all drunk um my my chief because i was damaged control so my chief um, is sitting in uh, Damage Control Central, chief never monitored Damage Control Central. But because of this typhoon and this little destroyer escort was banging us like this and put put a, a split in the seam of our ship, mm-hmm. and and my ship was five hundred forty foot long and little destroyer escorts are not; they're like two hundred. 50 feet. But anyway, so he says, Macduff, go get your dungarees on. I'm hammered. Go get your dungarees on and go down to number two fire room because um we've got shoring watch. So I go down there. Um and I'm sitting there. They have they've shorted up with wood because there's a split and there's water coming in and whatnot. Well, anyway, so I was here for about four hours, went and got a few hours sleep, got wakened up in my rack and said, Mac Duff, put your dungarees back on. You got P250 watch because we lost the load. It means the ship went dead. Okay. Okay. So the, if the ship goes dead, you got no fire main. That means you have no water pressure in to put out any fire that happens on board the ship. And so being a, you are. So... <laughs> What you have are these pumps called P-250 pumps that pull seawater out of out of the ocean, pumps it into the fire main so you have fire main pressure. Well, this um, second-class um, MR, machinery repairman, Skip Watkins, God rest his soul, um, they put us out on the fantail with the P-250 pump to keep it running in the middle of the typhoon. We... Did that? We were lashed together. Really? Um, yeah, and we kept that P250 pump running for 24 hours. Damn. That was that's my typhoon story in in port. Yeah, it was it was tough. It was very tough. They bring us coffee and a donut, donut, and the, the the typhoon would just take the coffee right out right out of the cup and you say at the leather back.
0: Yeah. Now, was, the lashing you together, was that so uh, you were the, the type that's of- That's so we didn't get blown you right over out. the yeah, side Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. that's, that's what it yeah. seems like. And what you're wearing, you're wearing your dungarees and like raincoat. Yeah, it wasn't
1: hot. It wasn't hot, yeah, hot.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. So, I, I'm sorry, it wasn't cold. So, you know, I mean, right. but we were soaked to the skin, of course. You know, all huddled, bundled together, you know. Anyway.
0: So then you, you've but carried I mean, that's, all of that's these. That's what happens. You've carried all these experiences with you throughout your career. We talked about this a little bit before we started recording. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you had said that um, being a veteran, having been in the Navy, it even affected and had influence on your uh career in the motion picture entertainment business. And I'm assuming this is the same for a lot of veterans who get into a career where they work. For example, I know Chuck, you, you know, you you meet cops and you meet firemen and stuff like that. It's you have a, you have a certain level of a bond with them. Then you meet cops or firemen who are veterans. And then you meet cops and firemen who are Marine veterans. You know, it, it, it creates different levels. So Dana, you were saying you had that same kind of experience and it stayed with you f- through your career in film and tv
1: yeah well i was a i was a prop master in the movie business and and luckily my navy experience because being a what's called a HT or hull tech hull maintenance technician um it's your uh, jack of all trades master and you can fix this you can fix that if it's not electrical you can fix it um and and that helped me in the movie business because being a prop master you know, every day is a different day. But um, whenever I go onto any movie set, and I've, I've I've been in this business for a very very long time, um, whenever I hit a movie set, within two days or three days, I know virtually every veteran. Doesn't matter army, navy, air force, marine. You know, coast guard doesn't matter. Um, you know every veteran on the set and like, say there's an electrician, you know, um, and he's a veteran, he's wearing a shirt or a hat or whatever. Say, hey dude. And he goes, yeah, somebody else, he's a veteran. And and so you get to know them all. And the veteran in each department is the guy that I would go to if I needed something from that department. And if they need something from me, like beer usually, um, <laughs> they would, they would come to me because, they know that I'll always say yes to them, or if I can't say yes, I will do whatever I can to make their need happen, you know? And they will do the same for me. It's it's very unwritten, and and if you're not a veteran, you don't even know about it, you know?
0: Right. Right. Yeah.
1: It's, <clears throat> it's like working with Matt, you know? Right. Because
0: I'll, I'll just say to Matt, hey, I need this. <smack> Done. Done. Right. Without, without well, even- there's a level, I think to, of that, which is that shared experience, you know, the share like you've been through basic, they've been through basic, you, you've been through the same mindset training and, and you've had your brain altered to think a certain way and deliver on a, you know, a certain way and, and be reliable a certain way. I think that's probably a big subconscious, but like, we don't consciously think, okay, this guy is a veteran, so he's da 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 da. da. It's just that <laughs> you instinctively know. Like I went to I I just uh, went to some training for my new job that I'm about to start, and there were some guys in the class that were retired firefighter firefighters and retired law enforcement, and then there were other guys that weren't, and I was able to communicate, and I was able to develop a camaraderie and a bond with the firefighters and the police officers instantly like within yeah. you know it was only a three day class but within by the by lunch of the first day I had friends, you know? And yeah. I think that's it's an unspoken we know we know each other's mindset without ever having met each other. And we know <clears throat> kind of how they think, we know how they operate. We know we can rely on them. And it's actually kind of weird to meet a police officer or a firefighter where after an hour or two of knowing them that you're like, this fucking guy's an idiot. But it does happen. There are some. some. So I can imagine Mm -hmm. it's probably the same way for you having, you know, spent 40 plus years in the film and TV business. Um, You know, you might find veterans. You're like, this guy's an idiot. But for the most part, you just just knew you could depend on him. There's a lot of idiots in in the military. (laughs) (laughs) But each one of those,
1: each one of those guys, Signed to check with their life at the, uh, right. you know, to give their life. So,
2: you know, God bless them. You know, you know, it's something, something that Dana said <clears throat> that he would, he would go out and seek the, 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 the vets on the, when he was working and then those would be his points of contact. Well, vice versa, it happens the other way, like he was saying, but in law enforcement, because <clears throat> I had the pleasure of being a vet and in being in law enforcement, um, you would have supervisors who were, Law enforcement, or not law enforcement? Yes, they're law enforcement, but they were vets. Doesn't yeah. matter what branch of service. And then they would find the vets out no. in their in their in their division or their station or whatever their department. But when they would come on scene, it, they would gravitate more towards the other vets that they knew because they knew they could communicate with them. One, two, they knew their mindset already, and so they would come to. I would have a lot of supervisors who were uh, veterans or you know currently in the reserves come up to me and be like, "Hey." this is what we need. This is what we're going to do. And even some that weren't, but knew that I was a vet and I was law enforcement and, you know, um, you know, squared away, they would come up to me, you know, supervisors because I was a vet and they would give me the more of the responsibility. And it was kind of this weird thing. And you would watch supervisors who were, who were army, Navy, coast guard, whatever. And the way that they would speak to just regular officers, police officers, and the way they would speak to the vets, completely different they were harsher with us because they knew that we could take it and we knew it was like it was ribbing they would rib us and every once in a while we'd give some ribs back and um we'd be able to trade blows back and forth but in like a playful you know type of way where you're not getting butt hurt they're not getting butt hurt and you have this weird unspoken bond you know um that it was just, it's just unspeakable. And it's, it's like the military underground, the veteran underground. And then there's a separate one for each individual branch. We would call it in the Marine Corps. You have the Lance corporal underground. They know everything. All Lance corporals know everything because it's like they're gossip Queens. They want to know everything. They need to know everything because (laughs) you know, it's, it it is what it is. But then when you get into like other businesses and things like that, each branch will have their own underground aside from the regular veteran underground. Sure. Um, and then it's just, it's, it's totally different, but it's, it's, it's so crazy that what he was saying, like, you know, I would go seek them out. They would seek me out. It's the same thing everywhere you go. Law enforcement, firefighting, um, any yeah. other job, they will come and gravitate more towards those vets because they already know like who they are without knowing who they are because they've all hey. eaten, slept in the same shit. Exactly. You know, and, and I'll be at the grocery store and I'll see a
1: 75, 80 year old guy wearing a, wearing a Navy hat. And I'll, I'll I don't say, Hey, thank you for your service. I I'm sorry, but I don't like that. Um, I'll just say, hey, I like your hat. I wear the same hat. And they go, cool. And you shake hands. What ship were you on? Right. I was on this. I was in Korea. Blah, blah, blah. You know the same stuff, you know? And it doesn't matter. Right. There's no age thing at all, either. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm better than you because I'm younger than you. And, no, you were in Korea, really? Or you were in World War Two. I mean, I met a man one time that was um, a 442nd Gopher Broke, the Japanese um, battalion over in Italy. You know, he's wearing a Gopher Broke hat. And it just, I mean, I got choked up thinking this guy fought in Italy and they were the most decorated unit in Second World War Army. You know, that's strong. That's strong shit, you know. And and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be a member of the same military, you know, the,
0: yes, the, the, these guys, that these guys same right. legacy, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, there's a great book. Yeah, everybody should read it. I think it's it's called uh, The Last Stand of the Tin Can Sailors. And it's about Taffy Three, um, where the Japanese pincer movement uh, for, the, for the invasion of Lady and uh it's it's one of the best books you'll ever ever read by i can't remember the guy's name hornbucker or something like that anyway what's, what's the just last stand of the tin can sailors okay it's it's so,
0: about uh it's uh james d hornfisher last stand of the tin can Horn. sailors yeah it is oh.
1: fantastic everybody should read it and understand about uh what these what these men did i mean unbelievable unbelievable
0: yeah. well so we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you um since you worked in tv and film i'm sure some of our listeners would like to know what was your favorite tv show or film that you worked on
1: um my i think my favorite one was a thing called badass with Mario Van Peebles. Okay. Um, my dad was an actor after he got out of the service. He went to the Pasadena Playhouse, which was a school at the time, and and uh, he became an actor, and you saw it growing up on TV. You saw him, my dad, I, and I, I was pretty proud of that. Uh, he was also friends with a guy named Melvin Van Peebles, who was Yeah, Mario's very, dad. Yeah, yeah, he was very key in the, in the the black movie business and he was friends with my dad and,
0: and if you guys don't know who and, mario van peebles is you should because everybody listening to this podcast had better have seen heartbreak ridge right right <laughs> because mario van peebles ass. was the was the punk marine rock star in yeah heartbreak ridge that ends up being squared away and ends up burning the respect of uh clint eastwood's yeah, character yeah. so uh, if you haven't well, seen Heartbreak Ridge, go see it.
1: And so so I prop mastered um, badass. And Mario and I were the same age. And he and I, because our dads knew each other, um, he and I got on like a house on fire. We had so much fun. And it took place in the early 70s, you know. and And right. so... It was very challenging for me to get all the props from the 70s. And uh, it had a lot of a lot of really great people in it and great actors and, and whatnot. And Siskel and Ebert said it was one of the 10 best movies of... God, I can't even tell you. I think it was like 94 90... No, I'm sorry. Um, 2000 or something like that. I can't even remember. But uh, I think that was... That was uh, my favorite movie to work on. Really, really good. And, and
0: Did you yeah. find that if you knew an actor, because there's lots of, there's, well, there used to be lots of actors that were veterans. I mean, uh, Clint Eastwood, Tom Selleck, you know, some of those guys, oh, yeah. even, uh, uh, what's his name from Star Wars, Kylo Ren. Um, I cannot yeah. remember his name to save my life. He's a Marine. Uh, yeah. He was Marine. Yeah. Yeah. So do you find, did you find that, that actors, you would, you would get on well with actors who were veterans or, or no? Oh, sure. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and I mean, you look at the old actors that, uh, I mean, like Eddie Albert, he was an absolute hero in the battle of Tarawa. He was a hero at Tarawa. You know, I think, I don't know if he was a Marine or he was Navy. I think he was Navy or, I think it was Navy, but uh, and like a lieutenant or a lieutenant JG or something like that. But anyway, and yeah. Scotty and- from
0: Star Trek got took like five or six machine gun rounds that the Normandy invasion had. If you go watch episodes of Star Trek, you'll see the the chief engineer of the ship they hide it, but one of his hands is missing a finger that got yeah. shot off during the invasion of Normandy. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was just curious to know if like actors, if if that made a difference with them at all.
1: Yeah, and and it's fun to go on Wikipedia and look up, you know, actors who served, you mm-hmm. know, and and it gives more respect for him. It gives me more respect for him.
0: Sure. You know? right. mm-hmm. Adam Driver, ah, I knew I'd get it. Adam, Adam Driver, Driver, right, right, the, right. Yeah, the guy from married. Star Wars. He was, yeah, for those of you who don't know, Adam Driver was a Marine or is a Marine. Um, Jimmy, and he's Jimmy even Hendrix given a talk. He, their- yeah, Jimi Hendrix was a was airborne, right? Maybe second airborne. He,
1: yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I know he was in the army. I knew he was airborne.
0: I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember. Yeah. One, but yeah. yeah, it's crazy the, the, the kinds of people you'll you'll see. I don't know that it's as prevalent today as it was. It's you know, not. Back when <laughs> everybody served. But um, well, Dana, we Indians appreciate you. Oh, yeah.
2: That are that are Marines. And one that was that has probably the mo- I have the most respect for other than um, Adam Driver is, um what's his name? Uh he was in uh was it step brothers? He's like all oh, eat your uh your D like kobayashi Sasha no
1: no 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 that guy
2: um Rob Riggle Rob Riggle he he's like a fucking lieutenant colonel or yeah colonel he was a light the, uh, colonel oh no kidding yeah yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Rob Riggle was a, a light colonel in the but he in did the a, reserve I think he was yeah, a light colonel wore, in reserve
2: I don't know if he went in active duty did his four years and then got out and did the reserves right. but he did a full career mm-hmm. um in reserve even while he was acting while he was acting which is crazy mm-hmm. and i'm like wow this guy is like probably one of my most favorite actors or comedian actors comedic actors because the stuff that i find funny he puts out on the big screen and he's he's crude about it he's nasty about it i'm like i love everything about this guy he is yeah. what <laughs> i would like when marines are joking in the barracks and, and stuff like that this shit that comes out of his mouth would be the same stuff that would come out of other dudes mouths and you're like how is this on the screen like this is yeah. awesome
0: this if you don't funny. know who rob riggle is uh 20 jump street he's the drug dealing pe teacher coach who gets his dick shut off at the end of the movie uh <laughs> that's <is> rob riggle <laughs> <It's funny>. spoiler <laughs> alert yeah yeah big big dude real funny uh rob riggle it was a light colonel in the marine corps um wow. and uh, he's a pilot he, he got his pilot's license and intended to be a a a Marine pilot, and then decided to pursue comedy. But even though he pursued comedy, I guess he stayed, he decided to keep uh, to stay in the Marine Corps reserves and ended up doing a full career, like Colonel, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So that's, you know, that stuff like that's really cool to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
0: It is. Well, data, we, we, we always give our uh, guests a chance to dedicate their episode to uh, a brother in arms or, or someone they served with uh who has passed on and you you have somebody that you would like to dedicate your episode to, correct?
1: Yeah, that'd be that'd be Skip Watkins. His real name was Harold. He was a yeoman. He was a second class yeoman. And he's a big guy too. Um or tall. Um he, he didn't like being a yeoman. And yeoman is a a paper pusher, works in the ship's office, you know, types up Shit, he didn't like that, and he was a second class. So he changed rates to machinery repairman, MR, and um, he went up. He, he was he was a guy I was lashed to, um, in that typhoon, right. doing that
0: P P two fifty. It'll bond pump. you together, literally and figuratively.
1: It did, it did. and he's he was a he, he got out of the navy as a chief warrant officer and. Well I just I put a reunion on for our division, our birthing basically birthing compartment division. A A gang, um, E Division, which electricians, and R, which is repair, which is was what my division was. Um and twenty-five guys from around the country came and we went to the Sheraton's uh, Harbor Island in San Diego in two thousand eighteen and he was there and it was it was fantastic. He he got out of the Navy. Um, he retired from the Navy and then went into the post office and finished. He just he passed away last year and uh very sad. But uh, you know, he was seventy one, seventy two maybe. Yeah, you know. but you, great guy. Uh,
0: uh, I was gonna say you you, you got to spend uh, a reunion with him. So that was I'm yeah. sure I'm yeah. sure that was a great experience for both of you. Yeah. So
1: Skip Watkins, great guy, great, great guy,
0: and good
1: there. good Christian guy too. And we had a guy named Bobby Carl on board our ship. He was in my my division, and uh, he was very instrumental in a lot of us. Uh, I was already a Christian, but but uh, strengthening our our uh, relationship with the Lord and and whatnot, and and um, and Skip was a big part of that too, and and so.
0: It's always nice yeah. when you have those guys that you can share that with you know i i know um whenever i you know it's one thing it's it's kind of like when you meet somebody from the same branch of the service when you meet somebody that shares the same uh, values and religious beliefs as you you can you can talk to them differently and you can hold each other accountable differently so that's always a good
1: thing exactly in fact in fact at that reunion we had a we had a bible study and everybody came that's awesome because two of the guys became ministers and the, one of the guys Marley Mardog, as we called him we all had nicknames i was mac everybody had a nickname but uh marley got out of the navy um with the help of bobby carl found found the lord and became a minister and the mayor of chino valley arizona wow became the mayor and just a wonderful guy it's just it's uh, it's a pleasure to see that kind of thing you know
0: yeah so you think about you think about all the the if you looked back at some of the great things that that uh, our veterans have gone on to do and you think about you know the legacy it, it's sad to for me to see what's happening to the military currently um and I, I we could we could spend another hour talking about that so we won't i just it is no surprise to me i'm sure it's no surprise to you dana and i know it's no surprise to chuck that you're seeing stories come out about the military not being able to meet their uh quotas for recruitment and stuff like that and how they're losing yeah. people is and 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 for those of you young guys that that are not thinking about joining i completely understand why you don't want to join a military that's more worried about inclusiveness than it is about you know readiness <laughs> so yeah
2: I, I did good way to put it I, <clears throat> I think a lot of the um, decline right now because i have a friend that I met through law enforcement who is a recruiter for the Marine Corps. And he was explaining, he's like, it's so hard to get people right now because the ones who are going for the ones who are graduating have and this is during COVID obviously in California, COVID's still a really big thing with, with schools and stuff. He goes, there's, they've been on the couch. They've been on the internet for the last two years doing their schooling or whatever. They have no social, um, uh skills whatsoever and they're basically like that one hermit who sits in his mom's basement and and talks shit online all day. And he's like we're running into a lot of that because they don't have any concept of reality because they've been in this virtual world of school and everything and no contact for the last 2 years. He goes it's so difficult to get these guys and then the ones who really do want to do it because now we have to try to get him in shape because they're so out of shape because they haven't been going to school. They've been sitting on their ass for the last two years, eating and not exercising, not even yeah. going outside. It, he's like, we're running into a lot of that.
0: So. And if you've been, if you've been doing school online and haven't had much communication with the outside world in person, Hey, nothing's going to cure that like going overseas, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm going to tell you that, that um, if you, if you're having a maturity problem for those of you parents that, that, that have teenage kids who are hitting that age of get the fuck out, um, you know nothing's going to grow them up faster than a hitch in the navy or you know uh, some serving in the army or or spending time in the marine corps. You know that's it's a life altering experience way more than anything else could possibly be, and ninety nine times out of a hundred it's for the better. Yeah. So. My Absolutely. kids understood. My kids understood. You get out of high school, you are either going to college full time, you are working full time, you are working part time and going to school part time, or you're going into the freaking military. You will not be sitting on your ass making chocolate thumbs trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life. You're going to actually get out there and do stuff that's going to help you decide what you want to do with your life.
1: It, just a quick anecdote my brother's son, my nephew, lived in Reno and was in, in meth. time meth. Everybody in Reno is in meth, right? Well, Mm -hmm. um, after my dad passed away in 2007, he came came to the memorial service and decided to put himself into rehab out in Temecula, okay? So he did for for a month. My brother would not let him back to Reno where my brother was living at the time. So I put him on my couch. I have a one-bedroom back back house. I put him on my couch, got him a job, got him in the in the um, gym, and didn't he, didn't buy him a car or anything. My best friend, Don, who's a, a Vietnam Marine machine gunner, M60 gunner, he's 74 now. Anyway, he lived in this middle house. I lived in the back house. A buddy of mine from the Navy came and was staying with me. We talked my nephew into joining the military, four o'clock in the morning one time one day mm-hmm. one right. morning and he went down didn't want to go in the navy because the recruiter was an asshole went in the coast guard they asked him uh, you know what about drugs he says i just put myself through um rehab he says was it court ordered no did it myself they took him he's 13 years in the coast guard now wow he's he's flying he's out of sacramento Bought a house in Sacramento. Got a lovely little girlfriend. He is squared away. He's a second class going for his first class. I I couldn't be more thank proud. You. He's he's a he's a winner, and yeah, I'm. There's a no
0: better anecdote to prove the point than that right there because yeah. that that yeah. that. Just... Yeah. Well, Dana, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. It's good to see you. I haven't seen you since I, you, Cal. I left SoCal. Um, I know. And uh, I was I would tell you to give Matt my love, but you won't see him either because you are. Uh, yeah. No, Vulnerably retired I, I, from the movie business. Are you gonna day play at all? Are you gonna go back and do little no, things? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> at, at <a> boy. <laughs> well, good for you, man. Good on you. And yeah. uh yeah. Chuck, why don't you uh why don't you finish this up? Yeah.
2: <clears throat> hey, thank you all today for listening. Uh if you like today's podcast, please go follow us on our Instagram at war underscore stories underscore official and our Facebook at war stories podcast. If you already follow us and share a post. And our info you can also go to the link in our bio on instagram and facebook to reach all of our socials our media and our website our uh, our podcast is on all major platforms uh for streaming podcasts on youtube if you want to support us please go to our website at www.warstoriesofficial.com grab some gear uh we sell some whoopie hoodies shirts patches stickers um the tank tops will be coming soon uh pre-ordered hats will be coming soon um, just uh it's taking a little bit just due to the simple fact that uh, i've been dealing with a lot of newborn stuff, so bear with me yeah. and bear with us. We will get it out there. And if you guys really dig the uh the design, possible shirt, you know, <laughs> zip up hoodie, that'll all be we be pre orders <laughs> and stuff like that. So let us know. Um, we'll be doing uh we'll we cover that. Uh, if you want to be featured on a show and think you have a story or want to share a story, please go to booking.warstories at gmail.com. You can also get that in the link in our bio and send me your story. I get you booked. We are looking for law enforcement, corrections, dispatchers, fire, medics, and veterans. If you have a friend who you think would be a great fit, let them know about us and give them our booking email. And if you've already been on the show and you want to come back on the show, um, don't wait for me to get in, in contact with you. Just shoot me an email. Be like, hey, I was on... I would like to come back on. This is the story I have or, yeah. you know, I would love to come back on that we can, we can talk and, uh, we can even, I can even call you if you give me your phone number and we can get a, get you scheduled that way. So, uh, don't wait for me. Contact me. It's been a bit hectic. It's still going to be a bit hectic for a while. Just trying to get back in the rhythm of, you know, this, this newborn lifestyle stage.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, regardless if I have this, my fourth one, it's still a culture shock every single
0: time. <laughs> so again, thank you for the support. Stay safe. All right. And until our next episode, come home with your shield or on it.